This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, Monday edition, a victory Monday edition. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. So glad you're with us here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. It's a bit of a mixed Monday uh, as we've got the, the big Saints win over the weekend, but not a not so good of a road trip for the Pelicans. It's good to be back home for sure as uh, I try to settle in on this Monday morning. And uh, unfortunately, the Pelicans come home 0-2 and losing yesterday to at what was 2-13 and Dallas and uh, fell by 10 points. But on the Saints side, wow, what a performance by the black and gold as they beat the, the Los Angeles Rams 49-21. to And uh, I am eager to talk to John DeShazer today. We have him to get us up to speed on this Monday and talk all about the game, the details, and some of the backstories behind the Saints' victory yesterday, including that unbelievable trick play. And a uh, good thing we have, John, because I didn't get to see a minute of yesterday's game. It was not airing in Dallas where I was with the basketball team, and I was also getting ready for a bit of an early tip-off as well between the Pelicans and the Mavericks. So John is here, and uh, more important than ever on this Monday, to talk about the win for the Saints. And we'll even look ahead a little bit as uh, they have yet another home game, but a uh, much more difficult opponent in, uh, in a good and hot Detroit Lions football team. So John DeShazer is here with us on this Monday. And we'll also talk NBA and the Pelicans, too, with a good friend of ours from ESPN. That's Mark Stein. I was able to catch up with him at the team hotel yesterday in Dallas. And so great stuff from him talking about the first month of the season. It's hard to believe, but we are now a month in. Unfortunately, the Pelicans, though, are 6-12. and 12 after yesterday's loss to Dallas. And a bit of a surprise, too, because after Friday night in Portland, in a place where a lot of teams struggle, the Pelicans just did not have it all together like they did during the four-game winning streak. Lost to the Blazers, but I think I believed, and probably the Pelicans themselves believed, that they could get right and split the road trip last night in Dallas, but the Pelicans just they didn't have it. And Alvin Gentry... Basically, his comments after the game, quite simply, uh, you know, they outplayed us. They deserved to win, and they did, 91-81 to in an extremely low-scoring game for the Pelicans. A team that's averaged about 105 a game only comes up with 81 points on 39% shooting. And while Anthony Davis was his usual, if not better, at 36 points and 13 rebounds, a block shot and a couple of steals, there wasn't much else to talk about. And New Orleans uh, took away a Dallas lead and grabbed a lead of their own, blew that lead, and then defensively broke down in the fourth quarter and watched Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes take Dallas to a win, snapping an eight-game losing streak for the Dallas Mavericks. New Orleans is now 3-23 and all-time regular season at Dallas. Yeah. So as much as I want to say that Portland was the tough place to play, Dallas has been that way too. Uh, but we'll talk about the Pelicans and the NBA again with Mark Stein here from ESPN coming up. But next, we'll uh, jump into that Saints win yesterday. The big win over the Rams and all the excitement that went into it with our own John DeShazer. Stay with us. The Monday Black and Blue Report continues after this. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. 
the energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Tomino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. John DeShazer has arrived at Studio B and uh, in for his weekly Monday morning segment. A victory Monday here for John DeShazer and the New Orleans Saints at NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, John, I, as I mentioned to our, our listeners in the first segment, uh, with me in Dallas yesterday getting ready for a Pelicans game and the fact that, well, Dallas wasn't going to show the Saints game, uh, I'm a little in the dark. I just know that it turned out very well for the black and gold yesterday. Well, just know that you missed probably, well, not probably, the best offensive game they played this year. And and really, I guess overall, um, maybe maybe arguably the best game completely. Um, I know those three touchdowns they allowed in the first half defensively obviously were not what you want to have happen. But, man, it was, uh, it was the kind of kicking – that we have waited for the Saints to administer to somebody this season. I mean, everything seems to have been close all this season long. Uh, two lopsided wins um, at San Francisco and then yesterday. But, you know, to get one at home like that, and you know, it, it reminded you of, you know, I don't want to say the old days because 2006 and 2009 and 11 aren't that far away, but it reminded you of the salad days, I guess, uh, of the Peyton era where, when teams came to the Superdome, it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter whether it was Sunday afternoon or Sunday night or Monday night or whenever it was, you were going to get beat down pretty good. And that and that's exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, they got the Rams in here, and it was like some pent-up frustration from the past couple of weeks, those close losses, and they unleashed it all on the Rams yesterday. Give me an idea or a sense, John, offensively for the Saints, as to why it was it was so efficient and so effective against the Rams defense that, frankly, in the last couple of weeks had, had done a very good job against their opponents. Well, I mean, think about it. These guys had three years of film on Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator here for three years. So Drew Brees uh, and Sean Payton, as much as anybody, have a good feel for what it is he wants to do and how it is he wants to do it. And after they practiced against him and they've schemed against him in, in, you know, in, in, in practice and those kinds of things, so they had a good feel for it. Now, granted, you know, the players have to execute, but, I mean, if you're going to blitz Drew Brees and you don't get home, you're going to pay for it. If you're going to, you know, leave open some open scenes 
And the way Mark Ingram has been running the ball lately, you know, it's been really phenomenal. You're going to pay for it. And look, I can't, I can say this every week about this offensive line, but it still is true. They've played lights out pretty much this whole season. Um, I know the team didn't run the ball well earlier in the season, but you know, a lot of that, the backs will say, look, that was, that was some of us. And, and look, when it comes to protecting Drew Brees, look, man, these guys have done an A1, A-plus, you know, whatever kind of job you want to call it. They've been top of the top when it comes to doing that. So, you know, if you got an offensive line who's protecting from the, you know, f- f- from the, the regular pass rush, and then you've got some backs who understand, backs like Mark Ingram and Tim Hightower who understand blitz pickup, and then you've got some receivers who are able to get open like Michael Thomas, well, it's going to be the kind of day that the Saints had yesterday because, you know, Greg Williams's defense is this. They're going to come after you, and they're going to come after you, and they're going to keep coming after you. And they're not going to sit back and play zone. They're going to come after you. And if you can pick them up and give a guy like Drew Brees enough time to find who he's looking for, then it's going to be a long day for a defense. And when you're talking about 555 yards and you're talking about seven touchdowns, uh, they scored – uh, I think on three straight possessions, uh, touchdowns on three straight in the first half. They scored on three of four possessions, touchdowns in the second half. I mean, they got it rolling. And once they got it rolling, uh, there was nothing the Rams could do to really stop it. John, the turnover battle was won by the Saints yesterday. And I don't want to say that proves another win, but it sure doesn't hurt either, does it? Well, I mean, hey, Coach Payton to tell you, you, if you want to see who won a game, look at the turnover ratio. And, I mean, whether it's a blowout win or a close win, that is pretty indicative of who wins the game, who protects it the best. And so, yeah, Drew Brees had the early fumble. And uh, Aaron Donald, the defensive tackle for the Rams, you know, crashed. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He's, he is among – if he ain't the best in the business, he's got to be right there, right there next to him. But the Saints were able to create a couple of their own. Sheldon Rankins, the rookie defensive tackle, matches Aaron Donald with the sack strip, and Paul Kruger re- re- recovers. And then Kenny Vaccaro with a beautiful pick uh, in the second half. And usually if the if you win the turnover battle, and especially with the way the Saints were playing offensively, because that's two more chances for Drew Brees to get the ball in his hands and two more chances for that offense to take advantage of you. But if you win that turnover battle in the NFL, usually that's the team that wins the game. It's struck from so many different positions too, John. You mentioned Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas with a touchdown yesterday. We'll get to the trick play in a moment, but boy, the tight ends seemed to reemerge yesterday and proved to be big in a lot of those drives. And I think what happened with that was, you know, a lot of the early stuff in the first half, it was a tight, it was tight end centric, so to speak. Uh, Kobe Fleener and Josh Hill combined for, I think, seven catches and about 109 yards or so in the first half. And when you get that, now suddenly the defense is like, oh, now we got to guard against that. And so when those guys are beating you up the seam, and Josh Hill, you know, did a nice job on a screen pass. I think he goes 31 yards with it. When you've got to guard against that too, and then you're probably devoting who knows how much attention to Brandon Cooks, who did not have a catch yesterday, and yet – still played his role because he draws the defense away. And then Michael Thomas, you know, is beating him to death. And and Willie Sneed has a pretty decent day. And then Mark Ingram and Tim Hightower both, you know, catching passes out of the backfield. It's a lot of things to try to defend against. And, and the good thing about the Saints is, you know, throughout, you know, throughout their history with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, 
Yes, you might have a guy who has been the quote-unquote number one receiver, whether it be you know Marcus Colston or Jimmy Graham, but they spread the wealth. They're not just going to zero in on one guy and just try to force feed it when it isn't there. They will find the second and third and fourth options, and that makes them so effective. And that's why the Saints, a lot of times, you know, you'll have guys like a Lance Moore who emerge and a guy like a Willie Sneed who emerged because people are saying, okay, we'll take away the one. And the Saints are saying, okay, we'll go to two. Okay, we'll go to three. Okay, we'll go to four. They've been able to effectively spread the ball around for a long time. The trick play was um, surprising, I think, to any outside observer because of its timing and the margin that the Saints were out in front of the Rams by. John, give me a sense as to what that was like for those of us who were not there in person. I mean, whether we saw it on television or saw the highlight later, but to see that unfold live in person, that Willie Sneed pass to Tim Hightower, give me give me kind of the the feeling or the or the reaction to that play. Well, I mean, the fans loved it, obviously. And, I mean, you know, if, if you're watching it, look, you know, and nobody's giving me, you know, an insight onto exactly, you know, all the machinations that went into it. But, look, to me, that's a message play. Look, this is one of the top defenses in the league. Uh, this is one of the guys who, you know, is supposed to be a great defensive coordinator who used to be here. And, look, we all know the backstory with the Bounty Gate and, and, and Greg Williams's role and, and you know, his – I guess, uh, cooperation with the commissioner's office. I mean, it's all well documented. So, look, this is, you know, to me, that's a message play. Okay, we got something else for you. You're not, we're not going to let you off the hook. We've got something else for you. And, look, it's good to have that on film for future reference, for future opponents. Now they're looking at that saying, okay, that's one more thing we have to guard against. But it's the perfect time to pull it because you're talking, again, about an aggressive defense. But, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, there's a little bit of a message in there, and, and that message is, look, we, we got something else for you. We're not going to let you off the hook, Rams. We're not going to let you off the hook. You know, maybe Greg Williams, we're going to – we got we got one more for you just to show you, you know, what we're capable of doing. So, you know, the fans obviously delighted in it. Um, you know, the reaction on the sidelines tells you all you need to know about what the Saints players felt about it. I mean, they were celebrating over there. They were having a pretty good time with it because they caught them in the right defense at the right time. The right play call. I mean, look, he he throws. You know, Willie Sneed throws that pass to Tim Hightower, and and look, I, 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 I dare to, I venture to say, me and you could have caught that one. He was he was so open. I mean, it it was it was as open as you will ever see a guy running in the NFL. And so then all he's got to do is make a move at the end to get into the end zone. But you know, it caught him exactly what they thought they were going to catch him, and it 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 worked exactly how they wanted it to work. Now, Coach Payton said, look, that play's been in the book. For years, he said, look, we, we tried to run it with Marcus Colston and Colston didn't really want to run it. So, you know, when we want when we tried to go through it in practice, you know, Colston would disappear. He had always had to end up using the bathroom at that point. You know, he never wanted to throw that pass. He didn't want to throw that pass. They tried to run it with Lance Moore, he said. And he said Lance Moore basically threw an interception every time they did it. Now, they said uh, Drew Brees said that Willie Sneed in practice last week threw it exactly the way he threw it in the game every time. He said they might have repped it, you know, three, four times. Willie Sneed threw that pass exactly the same. But here's the twist. In all those reps, Mark Ingram was the guy who was on the receiving end. Now, in the game, of course, they rotate the backs in and out. So, you know, hey, you just got who on the, got the guy on the field who's on the field. Turns out to be Tim Hightower. Well, Tim Hightower, I think he only repped it, Drew said, maybe once, maybe once and ran it to perfection. 
So that tells you a little bit about what these guys do in terms of, you know, their study. But it also suggests how long that play has been in the playbook. Now, who they were going to use it against, I don't know. But they found the perfect opponent at the perfect time to use it. But that play originally was for Marcus Colston. And Colston just didn't want to do it, Coach said. And Colston will always go to the restroom when it was time to run that rep. And he just didn't want to do it. He didn't want to throw that pass. And then they tried it with Lance, and Lance would throw some ducks that got intercepted, intercepted. So they just, you know, pretty much tabled it until they found a guy who could throw it. That's great background, and it leads me to the next, uh, I guess, piece of the conversation, John. For guys like you and me that love great stories, it's it's a it's a phenomenal next chapter in the story that has become Willie Sneed. And oh, by the way, one that you've tracked from day one, the Tim Hightower story is almost as fascinating. And those guys connect with each other on this particular play. It's it that there's there's an even ex, there's a little lanyard as they say, just because it's those two guys, let alone the play itself. Yeah, I mean th- those two guys. You know, we we work in a business where it it really does pay to be fairly cynical. You know that. I mean, you don't want to get too close to people because. You know, people can be, you know, disingenuous and a guy cannot be exactly what you think he is. And, you know, you don't want to get too close to guys because, you know, they move on and that kind of thing. But those two guys, man, it's hard to not like Tim Hightower. It's hard to not like Willie Snead. You listen to their stories and you go into their backgrounds and you see what they've been through to get to where they are. And you just wish nothing but the best for them. So, yeah, for those two guys to collaborate on that play, man, you know, anybody who knows them, had to feel really, really good for him because those guys have worked really hard and they've come a long way from pretty humble backgrounds to be where they are. Hey, John, before we wrap up yesterday's game, I do want to ask you about the Saints special teams uh, in that they had taken a lot of heat over the last several weeks. Uh, In a game where it didn't appear to have any miscues, did you at least maybe see improvement from the Saints special teams yesterday? Well, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't say anything bad about the snap hole kick. Um, you know, seven of seven on PATs. There was no field goals attempted. So, you know, from that standpoint, it was clean. Uh, the return game still probably needs a little bit of work. I mean, Tommy Lee Lewis muffed a punt, and if Shiloh Keo doesn't re- re- recover it, now that you know, granted, the Saints are up forty-two to twenty-one at the time, but if he doesn't recover it, then you have another another bumble in in, in special teams. So, you know, there's still got to be some cleanup, obviously. You like the fact that the cleanup is going to occur after a win instead of after a loss. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm sure the, ca- the kicking game is going to be on alert the rest of the season because, look, every team in the NFL gets the same film. Everybody knows exactly where your weaknesses are. So, you know, the Rams weren't really in a position to need to block, to try to block a kick yesterday, even though they, you know, they tried to block a couple of PATs. But they didn't really crash the way a team would normally crash. But there are going to be some other instances where the Saints are going to be in a, in a tight game, and they're going to need a field goal to either take the lead or extend the lead, and it's going to be late in the fourth quarter, and the, and the opposition is going to sell out because of what they've seen on film. That's when we'll know exactly how effective this new look on the special teams has been. Um, so we'll, we'll find out. Yesterday, you know, yeah, pretty uneventful, and that's the best thing you can say about special teams. Nothing spectacular happened for the Saints special teams pro or con, and we'll take that right now. We'll just take level right now until they can get to the point where they can be more of an asset. Fair enough. Uh, John, the, another home game this weekend, at 7-4 Detroit is in town. It's kind of set up the week for me, and what lies ahead here for uh, for the Saints? 
Well, I mean, the Saints get, you know, a day to bask in it, you know, the 24-hour rule, and then they got to get ready for Detroit. You're talking about a team that's 7-4, and four, man, leading the division. And so now all of a sudden a Detroit team that you thought was going to be down because Calvin Johnson retired uh, is is better without Megatron, you know, if, if you want to believe that, because now they spread the football around. Now Matt, Matt Stafford, the quarterback, is not solely zeroing in on Calvin Johnson to bail him out. So now – they're probably a better offensive team, and they got a pretty good defense also, man. So, you know, they're going to come in, and uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. The, the Lions are playing for something. They're playing to get into the playoffs and, you know, maybe get a home field or something. And, and so the Saints are going to have some work cut out for them. It, it's nice to play well against the Rams. It's nice to be home. But that in and of itself isn't going to do a whole lot for you if Detroit comes in here and does exactly what they expect to do. So the Lions, man, that's, that's going to be a tough out, man. I, I I've myself believed that Detroit would be down this year without Calvin Johnson. I just thought there's no way you can replace a guy like that or have a guy like that retire and then, you know, take a step up. But they've done exactly that, and uh, and it's been pretty impressive. So – you know, again, the Saints have got some work cut out for them, man. And Detroit gets the extra rest because they played on Thanksgiving. So they got a couple of days rest, you know, ahead on the Saints and a couple of days film study ahead. Although the Saints threw some stuff out there yesterday that they're going to have to, you know, go through in Detroit. But, you know, it should be a pretty good game at the Superdome. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, they're all big now. There's no doubt about it. But uh, yesterday sure was a lot of fun. John, thanks as always for getting us up to speed here on a Monday. And uh, it's always better when we can talk about the kind of Sunday the Saints just had as opposed to, say, the last two. Yeah, it'd be nice to roll out the season with with win after win after win as, as opposed to anything else. Uh, yeah, those lost, those, those lost Mondays are not good Mondays. So, yeah, I, I like Victory Monday a little bit better. Me too, me too. All right, we'll change gears in just a moment. We'll go to basketball. Mark Stein from ESPN and ESPN.com to talk the NBA and Pelicans with us after these messages. It's guys night out. You and the crew head out to the club. Tonight is ladies night, but there are no ladies in sight. Where are the ladies, bro? Then a bad batch of hot wings sends you sprinting to the bathroom. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the LA Lakers Tuesday, November 29th. Get guys night in gear with our guys night out six pack. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. Get ready for the Red Hot Chili Peppers live in concert. January 10th, Smoothie King Center. With special guest Clombo Shorty and Orleans Avenue and Jack Irons, the Chili Peppers. New album, The Getaway, available now. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets, Ticketmaster.com, and the venue box office. Red Hot Chili Peppers, live. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things 
like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. I'm sure glad we get the chance to visit with Mark Stein from ESPN and ESPN.com because we're about at the one-month mark, and, 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 the, and the one month so far has been pretty intriguing. And maybe I'm just forgetting about previous first months of seasons, but there doesn't seem to be a real shortage of interesting things to talk about around the NBA right now. Well, probably the best news is so many of us came into the season saying, you know what, Cavs, Warriors, just write them into the finals. Now in the East, you could still write the Cavs in the finals, but I think the Clippers and the Spurs have shown that they're not just going to fold and the Warriors are going to have to still win the West to book their place in the finals. They've looked great here lately, uh, but the Clippers couldn't have started better. And, you know, I've frankly been reluctant to put the Spurs in that Cavs, Warriors, Clippers category, but I mean, they've been great too. Haven't lost a road game. So, I mean, that, that's encouraging because none of us want to see – none of us want to know the finals in November. No, there's, there's no chance that anybody wants to have that happen. But yet, even looking at Cleveland's start, I didn't think they would be this impressive, this fast, this quick this season. That's been, that's been kind of crazy in my eyes. I was kind of worried they would be because they, they got continuity. And, and, look, that's what's, I think, helping the Clippers tremendously. The Warriors for two years have known each other inside and out. They really, you know, it, this is, it's a new team in Golden State. They, they're, they've looked great here lately. What have they won? 11, 12 in a row. I don't even remember how many it is at this point. And they're really starting to click offensively. But it is a new team. The Cavs, the Cavs have some depth issues, I think. And they don't have a recognized backup point guard for Kyrie Irving. But I think we're really nitpicking if we focus on those things. There's just, you know, I don't even like to talk about it. But barring catastrophic injuries, plural, you cannot even dream up a scenario where the Cavs don't make it back to the finals in the East. Let's go back to the Clippers for a moment. Why, and again, we're so far away from May and June, I understand, but why, does, why do the Clippers at this point look more equipped to go further or break through uh, than, say, the last couple of years? Well, part of it is bench. Part of it is they've been looking for a small forward forever, and Luke Mba Mute has really fit them he doesn't score, but defensively has really given them a boost. They've needed a good wing that they can depend on, and, and you know he's become a fixture in that starting lineup. But I really do think, again, the biggest thing is just the continuity. They've got the edge in that department. It's always going to help you early in the season, especially when you do have that, and Golden State still figuring things out, San Antonio dealing with the first month plus of the post Tim Duncan era. So that's a real advantage for the Clippers. But the other thing, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin have looked sensational. DeAndre Jordan too. All those guys have, have upped their game. You really have to ask, you know, does Chris Paul age? He just doesn't look like he gets any older. But yet he's never gotten to that level that he's so desperately reached for. And that's at least even appearing in a conference finals do you sense that, that this group now will get him there to finally? Yeah, I mean, he's got to live with that. That's going to be thrown every time somebody 
raves about the Clippers. People are going to throw that in Chris Paul's face or Blake Griffin's face. They've got to get to the conference finals, but they've looked so good here early that they do seem to have taken a step. And I don't want to write off San Antonio, but yes, I would say Warriors, Clippers, you have to think that's going to be our Western Conference Finals. All of us are ready to always kind of kick dirt on the Spurs and say, okay, that's done now, finally. And they never go away. They're like the walking dead uh, in a basketball sense. Well, it's because these last couple years, they finally started scoring in free agency. And that was something San Antonio never, ever did. San Antonio went after Jason Kidd summer of 03 after that Spurs-Nets finals. But they, I think they were so discouraged by how that turned out that they really just stepped away from the free agent game for well over a decade. They just didn't get involved in the big free agent circus that we see every summer. And look, when you have Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, you don't need to. But they got Aldrich. They were in the mix for Durant. They didn't get him, but they got Gasol, Pau Gasol, and it hasn't worked out great so far, but that was seen as, as a pretty pretty nice fallback move to be able to get Gasol. So they've, they've kind of changed the way they do business here in the last few years, and with what Kawhi has become and bringing in Aldrich, they're, they're still a handful. Nobody wants to play San Antonio. No, they don't. Mark Stein's with us. Mark, you wrote in your piece this past week um, about, I think it was, I don't want to misquote you here, gaudy box scores or, or gaudy lines in box scores. You kind of almost um, reminded us that you're as, a, you're as much a fan as anything else in your, in your career. Um, so tell me, in, in watching that stuff and, and tapping into your inner fan, uh, what's been your favorite act in the early season circus so far? Well, I mean, the numbers are just crazy all over the place, like, Hassan Whiteside, a week ago, I know I tweeted, he was averaging 18, 7, and 3. And we're not even talking about him because, obviously, Anthony Davis is doing what he's doing. The Warriors are getting 30 assists every night. Russell Westbrook is almost averaging a triple-double. James Harden is producing 50 points a game by himself. I mean, there, there are so many things. And I think when you, when you add it all up, it just tells you offense is ahead of defense, which I think is a typical for early in the season but as a fan I like that I I don't I don't I'm not a fan of great defense per se I don't want to see defensive struggles you know as a ho- as a hockey fan you know my Buffalo Sabres can't score and it's the clutch and grab era and every game is 2-1 you know that's not what fans want fans want Anthony Davis going for 45 and 10 that's it's just more fun. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. You visited with Anthony uh, here this weekend, and I know you've kind of had an eyeball on the on the Pelicans a little bit. Um, what's your take at this point? And 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 be as honest and and brutal as you need to be, because I've seen two different Pelicans teams thus far. I'm frankly amazed. Drew Holiday's a good player. I'm not. This is no slight to him, but I'm amazed at just the difference that he's made. Mm-hmm. Because when the Pelicans were zero and eight. AD was hearing nothing but poor Anthony Davis. You got no help. You're doing this by yourself. And then one player comes back, and that's enough to really just change the look, and it's just given Anthony enough of the assistance he needs. And I think you have to say Tim Frazier has played great. Terrence Jones has shown some real promise. And any good team, those bargain signings, when when bargain signings, blossom and produce it's just it's it's huge because not every team can go out and sign a Kevin Durant and and make free agent splashes so it's been real interesting to see 
Holiday and Frazier when they play together. But just, I, you know, Drew Holiday has obviously had a really rough ride on the personal front with this terrible illness that's affected his wife. And, you know, knock on wood, it sounds like she's recovering well and the baby was born with no issues. But just what that must have been like for him to carry that burden. But now to be able to step on on the court, you know, midstream, you know, who, you know, you would think, can you, is he even going to be in game shape? And just the impact that he's already made, it's, it's pretty astounding. Does that team, um, that Pelicans team, as they're outfitted right now, um, do they become somewhat legitimate later on or, or not in your eyes? Here, here's what I think is working in their favor. To me, the West is down. The West is not the West. Since Jordan retired, we have become accustomed to a West that is just a monster. And there were years in there where you literally had to win 50 or close just to get into the playoffs. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Didn't the Warriors have a 48-win team that didn't get in? You know, I don't think the West is there right now. And that was reflected by, in all the preseason prognostications, Portland was almost a consensus number four seed. And I think you're seeing with the issues that Portland had. Obviously, the, the Pelicans ran into some trouble when they just went to Portland a few days ago. But in general, Portland has really struggled, been really inconsistent. There's... After Warriors, Clippers, Spurs, it's wide open. Okay. And so if Anthony Davis keeps doing what he's been doing, Holiday stays on the floor, Tyreek Evans comes back, if the group, you know, the, I think the team as it was put together is better than advertised. And when the whole team is there, it won't surprise me to see the, the Pelicans in the playoffs. And I certainly won't complain if – if I'm in New Orleans in the first round, eating at Shia, so I'm uh, I'm good with it. Yes. I, by the way, good job throwing the name out there because that could get you a reservation down the road. Um, you know, this is the contradictory question, and probably the one that we should maybe wrap here on a little bit is, you know, we just talked about a Pelicans team that's built as you see them now, and the Tyreek Evans thing is going to be interesting. But yet, you also just wrote that we're going to start to see here as we roll toward the middle of December, you know, some rumblings about player movement and whatnot. Do the Pelicans, you think, rumble a little bit, or is it stand pat with what they've got? You know, the rumbles are always going to be there. The rumbles start from minute one. The question, I think, it's not just a Pelicans question. It's kind of a league question. Mm -hmm. Because the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Spurs are seen to be so far ahead of everybody else, and certainly in the East, the Cavs are miles ahead of everybody else, do teams want to make a move do teams feel close enough that one move really makes a difference? Now, in the Pelicans, from the Pelicans' perspective, they want to get back to the playoffs. Right. Is there a move that can ensure the Pelicans are a playoff team? If so, I would say that it's probably worth doing because the Pelicans' short-term goal is not we need to get on the Warriors' level. I think the Pelicans' short-term goal is let's get back to the playoffs and let's start building momentum. So if there's a move out there to be made that achieves that, I would say, yeah, I would look for them to be active, and I think Dell Demps has historically been pretty active. So Pelicans making a move wouldn't surprise me. And let, let's face it, the way Frazier has played, he's if he keeps this up, now maybe there's some you know a logjam in the backcourt. So maybe maybe there's a need to to make a move that that balances things out better. But I think all teams are going to be wrestling with that. Like, is it are is it worth making a move? when the t when the there's two three four teams that are so much better than everybody else 
always great stuff. I, I just took 11 minutes of your very busy life, and I appreciate it very much. Um, I enjoyed the visit. We'll look for. I know you're off to the lab. It, it, it sounds like on a Sunday here, so power rankings will be out, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. There's there's always a little criticism for what the committee of one. That's all right. They can criticize all they want as long as they click on it. Good seeing you, man. Thank you. This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Tomino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, we'll of course be previewing the Pelicans and Lakers game tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. It's the start of a two-game homestand this week for New Orleans, and they'll see both Los Angeles teams. Lakers tomorrow, Clippers later on in the week, and they'll be looking to get back on track after losing the two games over the weekend on the road trip. Daniel Salerson will host that Black and Blue Report for you tomorrow. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com stops by to talk about the game. And also, we'll be getting you set up for your fantasy football weekend as Jake Seeley uh, is uh, making his usual Tuesday appearance from Roto Experts. So we hope that you'll join us for that tomorrow. Thanks to our two great guests today. Good conversations about not only the Saints, but the Pelicans and the NBA, too. Uh, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com and Mark Stein of ESPN uh, make our Monday a little better. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.